0: For the last few weeks, we have been, in the book of Genesis, journeying through Genesis, looking at, in the beginning, things that God did, how He created, what He created, even why He created, beginning of the human race, among other things, and this week, we take a pause from Genesis, and we look at Psalm chapter 8 together, it's a fitting break for Psalm 8 echoes the creation account of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. So next week we'll pick back up in Genesis and jump right back into Genesis chapter 6. But before we look uh, together at Psalm 8 this morning, I want to take us back for a moment to the creation account because the creation account is clearly what David had in mind as he thought about the majesty of his Creator. As expressed in Psalm chapter eight, so I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter one opening chapter of the opening book of god 's word and go ahead and warn you this morning that what i 'm about to do is is not something that uh, that some would encourage in fact, it would be frowned upon i 'm sure in some preaching pre- preaching circles as being too long or too boring or too detailed, Um, but there is absolutely nothing boring about the incredible account of God's creation in Genesis chapter 1. So I want us to to revisit that passage, those verses, to set the tone, to set the context for what we're going to look at in Psalm 8 together. So Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, this is, The first day, verse 6, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. The fourth day, verse 20, And God said, Let the water team with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teams, and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from the work of creating that he had done. Father, we thank you for your word. But we thank you for your goodness and your mercy each day. We thank you. For your character. Lord, help us to have a better understanding of you as we leave this place today in a few moments. And Lord, may you guide us as we look at your word together now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no doubt that according to the biblical account, God is creator. With His Word, God created all things. And His creation is a witness, a testimony to His majesty. As we look at Psalm 8 together this morning, in light of the creation account of Genesis chapter 1, I believe that the central point that we see is that the majesty of Of God is displayed. In his creation. The majesty of God. Is displayed. Through his creation. Psalm chapter 8. We heard. Just a few moments ago. Echoes. The creation account of Genesis. In other words. For us to adequately. Digest and understand. And reflect on the truths of. Psalm 8 that David was expressing, we need to know that God created and why He created and how He created and the impact of the way He created on, on how we understand God and how we understand ourselves as His creatures. And as we look at Psalm 8 together for the next few moments, I want you to see t- two truths about our Creator from this, set, this text. From this psalm, two truths about God. Number one, we should praise our Creator for His majesty. We should praise our Creator for His majesty. Notice how this psalm begins and how it ends. Verse 1, Lord our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Verse 9, Lord our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Begins and ends the exact same way, begins and ends by praising God, declaring the greatness of God, the greatness of God's name in all the earth and for this reason. So we've looked, as we do look at God's word together now in our message time this morning, we, we began by singing praise to God, began by singing the doxology to God, and we'll conclude by praising God later. As we gather as the people of God, God's praise ought to be central in all that we do. One scholar has said about this particular passage, human power is always bounded and surrounded by divine praise. Human power, dominion, authority, might is always bounded and surrounded by divine praise. Doxology or praise gives dominion its context and legitimacy. In other words, any authority that we have on this earth as is, is people, as is people that are created in God's image, will see that we, we have been created to rule over the rest of creation on earth. Any power that we have, any might that we have, any authority that we have, is only ours because our Creator has entrusted it to us. And we must recognize that that in order to understand our place in creation, we must first understand God's place in creation. And He is creator. He is sustainer. He is redeemer. He is the giver of life. And He is worthy of our praise. He is described in, in this psalm and other places in Scripture as Lord our Lord. Lord, our Lord, verse 1. and Again in verse 9, Lord, our Lord. And that first Lord, most of your English translations is in all capital letters, signifying that this is the personal covenant name of God, Yahweh, the name by which He had revealed Himself to His people. Jews would not say it or, or even write it out of reverence and fear for God. That He is a personal God. He's the God who has entered into a relationship with His people. And this God, Yahweh, the God of Scripture, is our Maker, our Creator, and He is our Lord. Lord, our Lord. He is our Master. Meaning, what He says, we must do. He's described... this psalm as majestic. Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth. Meaning that he is high that he is lofty that he is noble, that he is splendid, that he is magnificent that he is mighty that, that he is powerful. He is majestic. Oh Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth. Not too long ago. In fact right around the time that. Uh, my wife Ashley had Paxton. My brother and sister-in-law also had a baby boy. A week or so before. And leading up to that time. Once they realized it was a boy. We were constantly asking them. Well, what are you going to name him? What's what's his name going to be? They wouldn't ever tell us. And initially, our reaction was that they're just waiting because they, they want it to be a surprise. They don't want to tell everybody. But, but that wasn't the reasoning. Their reasoning was because they wanted to, to make sure, particularly my sister-in-law wanted to make sure that she chose a name that fit her son. That fit her son. And, and to those of us that, you know, just name our kids a name that we like. That seems sort of like a foreign concept to us. In fact, you know, that's why we chose Paxton is because we wanted to make sure that that we didn't choose the same name. So we had to think of a name that there's no way they're going to name their son. (laughs) That's not really why we named him Paxton. But but it was several hours even after the fact, after the delivery that we finally got the name. Their son was going to be Kenneth Wilson Jones, and go by Wilson. That seems foreign to to those of us that just pick a name. But in reality, that idea, that concept is much closer to the way things were in ancient times, in biblical times. People chose a name that, that fit their child. It fit the circumstances of the birth of their child or fit the character of their child because a name was more than just a name. A name represented the person. A name represented the character of the individual. And this is what's being communicated here in God's Word. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name? How majestic is your character in all the earth? You, Lord, who you are, The way you operate, everything about you is majestic, it is splendid, it is magnificent in all the earth. I was privileged this last week to spend some time in Honduras and serving in a number of ways on a mission trip and to worship with believers in another context, a a foreign land Believers that speak a, a totally different language and then to, to be in a, a strange land but to still see the majestic beauty of God through creation. What a reminder that God is the God of all. His name is majestic in all the earth whether in Birmingham, Alabama or Guamaca, Honduras or London, England or Bangkok, Thailand, wherever. God is ruler over all. He is creator. His name is majestic in all the earth. The majesty of God, His character is displayed through His creation and we, as His people, as His creatures, ought to praise Him for it. We should praise our creator for His majesty. and Sandwiched in between this opening and closing praise of Psalm chapter 8, we see that We should acknowledge the power and the grace of our creator. We should acknowledge the the power and the grace of our creator. Look back at Psalm chapter 8 with me. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The power of God and the grace of God are displayed in the way that God operates in this world. So how does God operate? How does he carry out his plans? How has he chosen to fulfill His plans and His purposes in this world. And the truth is that God uses the weak and seemingly insignificant for His grand purposes. God uses the weak and seemingly insignificant for His grand purposes in this world. I don't know what you think of when you think of weak and insignificant. One thing that has come to my mind would be A worm. A small, tiny, wiggly thing with seemingly no head or, or no tail and no arms and no legs that just wiggles around through the dirt. Yet, in God's plan, He has created worms to fertilize and to aerate the soil becoming an Valuable part of God's plan for creation. Valuable part of food chain. Valuable part of fertilizing the ground. The one single worm seems fairly dispensable. God has not created one single worm. In fact, experts say that there are at least 50,000 worms per acre of soil in the U.S. Covering the ground, like a worm that seems so insignificant and small, or like white blood cells that seem so small and insignificant, yet fight off infectious disease, or like the the vagus nerve that most of us have never heard of, or completely unaware of, yet sends signals to your brain and your heart when you begin to experience sights and smells that you're not used to, say, in an operating room in Honduras. (laughs) And suddenly, you are on the ground unconscious. God uses small things, seemingly insignificant things, seemingly weak things, to accomplish His grand purposes. God's ways are not the ways of the world. God doesn't need someone who comes from a wealthy family or someone who scores high on the ACT or someone with a lot of power and influence, someone with a big following because God used Gideon and an an army of 300 trumpet blowers to to strike down and destroy the vast armies of the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the eastern people so that the Israelites would know that they had not accomplished anything in their own strength in their own power that it could only be attributed to God God uses the weak and seemingly insignificant for his grand purposes. He doesn't need the powerful. Doesn't need mighty men wisdom and eloquent words. He uses children to silence the wicked. See, Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and Second Corinthians. The same Paul who wrote m- numerous letters that found their way into God's Word in the New Testament. The same Paul that carried the Gospel all over the known world in the first century. Paul that It's often credited with being the greatest missionary of his day. Perhaps even the greatest missionary of any day. Said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning in verse 7. He said, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, God's grace is sufficient. His provision is sufficient. His power is sufficient. God uses the seemingly small and insignificant for His grand purposes. And in His grace, God gives humankind dominion. In His grace, and by His grace, God gives humankind, men, women, boys and girls, all humans, dominion over the rest of his creation. That's the truth of Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and following. Had created all these things, all these creatures, birds of the air and the fish of the seas, and the livestock, all these creatures that move along the ground. And then he essentially said to the first humans, rule over all of this. Represent me on this earth. And as David is writing Psalm chapter 8, he is reflecting on the grandeur of God's creation. He's reflecting on his majestic creator and looking up at the works of God's creation in the heavens. Looking up at the moon and the stars and the sky and wondering why God would you care for me? Why would you think of me? Why would you provide for me? I am but nothing when compared to the rest of your creation. When was the last time you just stepped outside and looked up at the stars? Stepped out on a dark night with a clear sky. Saw many, 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 tiny, Objects in the sky. Billions of light years away. All created by God. During college I had the opportunity to work a summer sports camp one summer. and We would have a new mass of kids, a new mass of children that would show up every Sunday afternoon for another week of camp. It was an exhausting but exciting time of sports with kids and teaching them about the Lord and every single week we would make sure that every child that came to camp heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. On Wednesday night of the week, pending the weather, we would put everybody out in a giant field and let them lay in the field and look up and reflect on the greatness of God as displayed through his creation and reflect on the gospel that, that they had heard and the care and love that God shows for his people. God's majesty is displayed through his creation and when compared to all of creation we are but a tiny part of his creation. Yet God doesn't just care for us he entrusts us with responsibility and Dominion, and according to Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18, He thinks about us constantly. He loves us. He cares for us. He entrusts us with ruling over other creatures. Those of you that were here last week, looked at Genesis chapter 5, which is a genealogy. Like, what in the world can a genealogy tell us? God's word and I'm sure Dr. Ross uh, told you what it tells you much better than I ever could but one thing we see in that genealogy is a pattern over and over and over again Adam lived such and such years and had these children and then he lived to this age and then he died Seth lived to this many years and had children and then lived to this age and died same thing with Enosh, and on and on we could go over and over, people are are dying. But when we think about all of creation and we think about the truths of Psalm chapter eight, it's it's incredible that any of us live at all. That God gives any of us life at all, and yet He has chosen to create us and sustain us in such a way that that He uses us as His representatives as his ambassadors on this earth as the crown of his creation the only ones created in his image to represent him and to rule on earth as his creatures but because of sin we have not done this well humankind is not not done this well creation is in chaos it's not in submission But God is the God who specializes in correcting our mistakes. A God who does for us what we can never do on our own. A God who fixes problems that that we began. And in the incarnation, God came to us. The Son of God came to us. And He was created a little lower than the angels. And He was crowned with glory and honor. And dominion on this earth. And He is the one who rules over all creation. And who one day will receive all of our praise and honor and glory. The glory that is due Him as our majestic Creator for all of eternity. In the first Adam, the image of God was marred in us through sin. and the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the image of God is, is brought back. Fixed. Not that it ever disappeared. But Christ fixes what what Adam and the rest of us, the sinful creatures, messed up. And He overcame sin. And He defeated Satan. And He defeated death. And one day His dominion will be fully known. As the God of all gods. The only King. The one who is worthy of eternal and everlasting praise. John is is taken and guided by the Spirit of God. To see this vision of what things will one day be like. Writes this in Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And I looked and Heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands, then ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Folks, the majesty of God is displayed through His creation. And one day people from every tribe, People, language, and nation. And thousands upon thousands of angels. And all the creatures of the sea and the sky and the ground. Will give God the praise that he is due. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of our devotion. So let's devote our lives to serving God for his glory. Let's devote our lives to serving God for his glory. He has created us, called us to be his people, to serve him, to represent him, to proclaim his truth. So let's do that well. Let's devote our lives to serving God for his glory. And because he is worthy of our praise, let's praise God together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, we thank you that creation speaks of your majesty. Lord, we thank you that creation proclaims your power, that it proclaims your grace, that it proclaims your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would lead us each day to be faithful followers of you for devoting our lives to serving you for your glory. Lord, thank you for creating each of us. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for sustaining us each day. Lord, and thank you for redeeming us through the blood of the Lamb. Father, hear our praise now. Be glorified in us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.